Welcome to a mobile edition of Hey Fighting Podcast. As always, I'm Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics, joined on the back of the bus by the man, the myth, legend, Jacob Hester. Mr. Hester, uh, we've we've done these things in many places. The back of the bus, this is the first one. I'm sure it's not the last one, but first one for sure. It is, and the legend Boudreaux is looking at us, trying to uh, see if we're actually on there. Yes, Boudreaux, we are doing a podcast from the back of the bus here at the Burbank Airport. We're ready to go. Hollywood, baby, Hollywood, baby indeed. Just landed, and uh, we're trying to be efficient with our time here yeah. uh, as we're on Pacific Coast time. Uh, there's there's much city to see, and uh, you know, figured we might as well be efficient with our, our podcasting time. So. Knock it out now as we've landed, and uh, we are a little late. This was supposed to be recorded, what, Tuesdays when we normally record, yeah. but uh, Hurricane Ida forced different plans upon everybody, uh, including us, and so we appreciate your patience waiting for this episode. And, you know, you and I were talking about this, Jacob, before the plane took off, and, and my mindset has already started to shift just because we've traveled across the country, but hadn't felt like game week yet. Um, right. Now, being in the heart of south louisiana and you know baton rouge by most accounts was was spared a lot of the worst damage but it's been a it's been a difficult week for a lot of people myself included you know just no power trying to keep things running with a generator and keep your kids and your family safe and healthy and not not going crazy and all that stuff it's it's a full-time job and i know a lot of people in south louisiana are um, dealing with different aspects of that whether it's actual damage or no power all that stuff right so it's been hard to think about football, focus about football. I hadn't thought much about it. But as we're getting a little bit closer, I'm getting that feeling of, you know, something to look forward to and something to get excited yeah. about. And maybe the excitement um, normally revs up a little bit slower during the week. Maybe it's going to be a late week buildup here, but it's here. The season right. we've waited for is is here. And in, what, less than 48 hours will be playing football yeah i think you're exactly right so for all the things that you said i mean you're spot on about what's been going on in south louisiana and kind of our focus has been elsewhere but you and i have talked about it as well even the focus for college football has kind of been elsewhere it has not been on the field it's not been about the matchups it's been about the transfer portal it's been about the nil situations it's been about realignment so it's been about the alliance it's been about everything else right and so now we're here in game week and normally we would have already broken it down in so many different ways and we would have been excited maybe about this that or the other thing but there's been so many other things happening within college football that are off the field and then of course what we're dealing with in south louisiana so i think it's a combination of both and even here now we're in california i mean it is game week we are on location and it still hasn't set in just yet but i've got a feeling that when we walk up to the rose bowl such an iconic place we'll get that feeling it's going to get that jolt to us here pretty soon we're, we're no strangers to hurricanes in south louisiana and the way they can sort of throw things through a loop um, especially the start of football season i'm having trouble making a comparison for this one just because of the, the timing of this you know re- literally a week right before kickoff and you know i go back to to when you were in college and um, katrina rolls through and, and sort of disrupts the start of that season and my thoughts are, are less with um, as, as it pertains to this podcast, at least less with the fans. Because look, when the when the game starts, the fans are going to find a way to watch it. Like, mm. fortunately, we'll be there. But for those who are at home without power, they're going to go to their buddy's house and and uh, and crank up the generator, hook up the TV to that. They'll find a way to watch it. But for the players, this throws you out of yeah. a rhythm and out of a loop. And so the team has spent the week in Houston prepping. They're now 
uh, here in California, making the, those final preparations. Take me back to your your time as a Tiger, and the the start of the season gets a little disrupted. How difficult is it to focus? How difficult is it to maintain routine? Like I'm yeah. I'm a creature of habit and routine, and I feel thrown off. I can't imagine you know a college kid yeah. that getting ready for their first or second or third or if you're Austin Deculus or Andre Anthony's sixth <laughs> season opener, but still, that, that sense of routine yeah. is gone. How do you handle that? All right, so unfortunately, it's something that not only are we used to with LSU, but even the professional team in the state of Louisiana, New Orleans Saints, they're so used to having to pick up, go elsewhere, move a game, uh, even if it's a game that was supposed to be played on a Saturday, maybe get to move it to a Monday. We've a- absolutely had to do things like that before as well. So it's not something that's uncommon, unfortunately, for uh, you know teams that play uh, – along the Gulf Coast, not only obviously in Louisiana. Um, so when you look at, you know, the situation in 05 with Katrina, you know, thinking you're going to play North Texas gets canceled, thinking you're going to play Arizona State at home, no, you're playing them in Tempe. You find that out like the week of the game, and then you move Tennessee to a Monday night, and, you know, you just have to adapt to it. it you have to make the best of, of that situation. And, again, I think because it's had to happen so many times, you're not always ready for it, but you have to know in the back of your mind that's a possibility during these months, during hurricane season, that it could potentially pop up. And I'll tell you, and maybe it's, um, you know, trying to find the positive in it, but I can tell you, like, with this week LSU going to Houston, they were still in camp mode. Like, mentally, I know the school started, but they had just finished up camp that weekend before. They were still in camp mode. And so for them, they just got an extended training camp. And there's a lot of NFL teams that go off for training camp. They do that for a reason. So LSU continued their camp. They just went off. And so it might actually have the feel of, hey, we went away, got distractions out of the way. And you never want to say, you know, dealing with your family, dealing with, you know, loss of potential uh, homes in South Louisiana. You never want to say, yeah, you just you forget about it. But you're changing your focus right you're changing your focus and you're making sure your family's okay and even in 05 I thought the administration did a fantastic job of allowing us to make sure families were okay and then it was family first and then football same thing here like you check on your family make sure they're okay and then it's like okay now I'm in Houston now I can focus on football and and not really everything else is going around no power in South Louisiana no gas anywhere like all those type of things and so they probably had the best situation for them to be able to kind of get away, focus on this game, and really hone in on what they had to do. You mentioned the word family, and to me that's such an important word this week especially. Coach O had a great quote on his radio show. I'm getting this from Jarrett Roser's Twitter. He said, you know, there's some noise you can't block out when it comes to family. We're lucky, we're lucky we could come here. He's talking about being in Houston. And we have a wonderful support system that we're talking to and taking care of our families. And that hits home for me in particular like I'm literally looking at my phone as, as we're going and the power came on for five minutes then it went back off and my neighbors texted me hey I went and filled up your generator and my you know my wife and kids are going to stay with her mom because they've got power and so you can't do any of this without the the support of family and that's the first thing that came to mind the other thing that came to mind is I think was it Hurricane Delta last year where a lot of last year's a blur for many reasons for, yeah. for me but for whatever reason, LSU's game got moved um, to Missouri. Supposed to be at home. Right. I think it was Delta, and moved moved it to Missouri. And last year was a, a was difficult in a number of ways for guys to handle distractions. But you also have to think that this team has the maturity that maybe last year's team didn't quite yet because they hadn't had the reps, they hadn't been through the fires yet. Yeah. They lost thirty plus guys from the season before. 
this team knows how to handle some of this now and that, that's where maturity comes in I think um, when you have to adapt and you have to deal with circumstances that are less than ideal like talent can get you to one place but when you have to when circumstances change to me that's where maturity kicks in I bet that's something you experienced as a player for sure with those those teams that had to deal with stuff and I think this that's something this team can can handle well too no there's no question about it and I'll be honest with you you kind of mentioned last year was a blur like I forget that that was last year that they had to move a game from Baton Rouge to Como right and, and play Missouri there and so this group has dealt with that they're a year older a lot of freshmen a lot of sophomores played on that team well now they're a year older they've been through a situation like this and so you don't want to say it's old hat because they they only had to do it one time but even going through that situation because it's such a unique situation in a lot of places I think that can help and you're right this team is more set up with veteran players to be able to handle anything that kind of comes their way and uh, you know they've known I think it's important they've known they're playing in the Rose Bowl you know this whole time yep right it's not like they're having to move game location you're not going to have to uh, be surprised by the playing surface and the playing field and you know if you're playing this game in Baton Rouge and all of a sudden you got moved to the Rose Bowl and that, that that's a mecca right yeah. and you're like wait a minute I gotta play where I, I gotta go do what and you walk in it's the Rose Bowl right so uh, I think it's good that the whole time the game was going to be out in uh, Los Angeles and Pasadena but um it, you know, this this team just has a different feel for feel of it when you start talking about maturity, you start talking about leadership, and you start talking about all the things that they're able to deal with. So uh, much, you know, even just the team and their interactions together, this team seems like they're together more. Like when you see them around, it's not just one guy you see. You see at least two, three, four guys yeah. walking together. So even that, like, you know, finding that, that – that group that you can be with and, and make all these situations kind of feel as normal as they can. We're officially moving now, by the way. If you can't tell from the background noise, we're, we're getting our you can't tour. tell from the engine here in the back of the bus <laughs> or the rattling going on. Hey, but we wanted this to uh, happen organically That's uh, right. a little bit. You know? It's like stadium sound. It's nat sound. It's uh, it's, 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 it's an away game. It's crowd noise. That's, that's exactly right. And you got to block out the noise. We all know that. Um, let's talk about the Tigers. I want to talk about UCLA in a second here, um, mostly because I don't know anything about UCLA because I didn't watch the game last weekend. Um, and so I'm going to pick your brain yeah. and, and sort of ask what to expect and what to look for um, from the opposition. But I want to start with, with the Tigers. And it sounds like, you know, based on the highlights from Coach O's press conferences, from uh, his radio show, that the team is is healthier than it's been through camp. That was one of my concerns in camp is you go out there and there's a lot of yellow jerseys. Yeah. And it sounds like for the most part, the bodies are back. They're going to have most of their guys available. I think Malik Neighbors might be out at receiver. Um, maybe some, some running back question marks with, with some health there with one of the younger running backs. But for the most part, it feels like the team's going to be pretty healthy. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it was a concern. Uh, the first scrimmage, the second scrimmage, a lot of gold jerseys out there. And there's some positions, Cody, and you know this, that you can absorb some of those injuries. If it's a defensive lineman, if it's a receiver, uh, you know, even linebacker to some extent, you feel pretty good about it. Now on the offensive line and the secondary and – um, you know, certainly the quarterback position, quarterback. right? Uh, that that gets a little uh, tricky. That's a yeah. different situation. So the guys that are going to be out in this game, at least what we know so far, it's at a position for the most part where you've got some of those bodies. And so that is a good sign for LSU. And it, it became a little bit of a worry when you started to see some of the offensive line injuries in camp. But all uh, word that we're getting is those guys are going to be back and ready to go. So w- without focusing too much on the opponent, if you're – Jake Peets or your Durante Jones, 
and you're coming in and you're looking for what's the LSU identity going to be in 2021? What, what, what yep. are we going to be about on both sides of the ball? From what you watch in camp, from the conversations you've had, what are you expecting on both sides of the ball? Independent of what UCLA likes to do, and you know that's always a part of your game plan, of course, is you want to attack their weak spots and and take away from their strengths and that sort of thing. Yeah. But you also, in that first game, you want to establish your identity. This is who we are. And something that you and I were talking about on the – I think it was on the plane before, before we were heading this way was, you know, and I'm kind of leading you here with this question, but – the, the rush numbers last year, both LSU's inability to run the ball and stop yeah. the ball were, were so concerning. And so, I don't know, how much do you look back at last year and say, we couldn't do that last year, let's do this this year, or what, what, what sort of sense do you have for that, for what this team's identity right. will be on both sides of the ball? The identity's got to be one that's mean, t- uh, tough, nasty, all, all those cliches, but that, you know, cliches are there for a reason in football because you have to have those things. They're a must. Like, you have to have them from day one, and they didn't have it last year. They just didn't. So when I go out there, the identity defensively of the front seven is completely different. Like you've got some, you got some grown men out there. You've got some guys that if they're walking down the street, you're going the other way because you ain't messing with those dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the way they carry themselves. And I love that with my front seven. So that is what we've seen so far in camp. And, and uh, you know, Durante Jones, anytime you talk to him, like he talks about, you know, waking up and being violent. Like that's what they want to be. They want to yep. be a violent defense. They want to be one where DBU's got swagger back. And let me tell you something out there at the scrimmages guys like major burns who just getting to lsu he is doing that right now he is talking a lot and i love that i love communication i love swagger back there at the defensive back position but the front seven to me defensively is going to be one that plays violent and they have to they have to play better than they did a year ago you could not you just can't be at lsu and allow teams to push you up front like they did a year ago so that really has been a point of emphasis to get that group to be better and to be something like we know them to be which is a dominant tough athletic group what are you looking for from from LSU in, in this first game independent of, of what UCLA brings to the table um, if you want to highlight individual guys you know for, for me I'm really curious to see how Max Johnson handles the, the debut right he kind of yeah. got thrown in the fire last yeah. year he sort of was able to dip his toes in the water and some blowouts and get a feel for it and then was certainly thrown in at the end but even at the end of the season you're three and five and not that there's nothing to play for, but yeah. the, the spotlight's not quite as bright. Yeah. Maybe the, the rest of college football isn't watching quite as closely. Oh, LSU had a bad year. Last two games are probably going to lose them. You didn't have the expectations, right? And so I'm curious to see how, how Max handles that. I'm, I'm not worried about it. I think he's going to handle it fine, but it's a, it's a different challenge and a different perception to go into a season with some expectations and some comparisons on oh you know he reminds me of this guy he reminds me of that guy LSU could be a 10 win team they could be a tw- they could compete for the SEC you know I think Max is probably as well built as anybody to filter that stuff out but no filter is perfect and some of it gets through and so that's that's the first thing that I'm watching for is how does that young man handle right. the new role he's been handed uh, or he's earned what are you watching for what are some of the, the storylines the the LSU specific things you're keeping an eye on mine's I kind of title it the bounce back season how does Damone Clark bounce back Damone Clark's someone in 2019 I saw be an absolute beast on a national championship team in 2020 it was not that I think a lot of it was because of scheme I know Damone Clark and I know the style of player that he was it wasn't him in 2020 I want to see what he is going to do when he is uncaged when they allow him to go out there and be that linebacker that we have seen him be in the past and then you flip it on the other side of the football right the running backs 
Uh, we've talked about him a lot. I've, I've challenged the running backs a lot here on this podcast. A lot of people have. You did not have a great season by LSU running back standards and by your own standards a year ago. Bounce back season for you as well. How do you, in a new offense, bounce back? How do you... Uh, you know, hit home runs, but not only hit one every three games, but consistently hit those plays that make teams say, okay, they're not only a team that's going to throw the football with Max and Keishon Butte. No. So for me, it's Damone Clark, bounce back season, running backs, who is going to step up? Who's going to take that job? Who is going to be someone that defenses fear? So that's really the things that I'm paying attention to more than anything in this game. One last bit of LSU news, and then we'll pivot to UCLA, but wouldn't be uh, appropriate if I didn't have number 18 here himself and ask him about the latest addition to the number 18 club in Avery Atkins. Um, the news came out, I think Wednesday, I believe. All the days are kind of run together at this point for me. But new number 18, um, first first specialist yeah. to, to wear number 18, which is cool. And if you know Avery um, personally or, or if you just observed his career, sort of embodies all the, the ideals, just t- tough as nails and Never, never runs from the moment. Always is there to embrace it, whether it's an adverse moment or, or um, a pressure-packed moment. Um, does his job as well and effectively as anybody out there. He goes out there and executes every time. Um, guy, LSU's so spoiled at kicker. I remember just a few <laughs> years ago, any time that, that foot was touching ball, you might get a little nervous, and now you're just super, super confident. But just give me your insight yeah. into the latest the latest member of the 18 club yeah i mean I, I said it on social media and i mean he embodies everything it means to be an 18 at lsu i mean you're talking about a guy on the field that's on like so many different leadership councils he's in so many uh committees and boards and he deserves all of that i mean he is on the sec uh leadership committee i mean he has conversations with commissioner sankey and lsu chose him for a reason so all the things he does off the field i think he graduated in like three three and a half years mm-hmm. something crazy like that he does everything off the field that you're supposed supposed to do and that's what 18 is all about being a leader on and off the field and then on the field you're exactly right you might be saying wait a minute a kickoff specialist is wearing 18 yeah he is because there were some years you're you're exactly right about i would close my eyes and hope that the kickoff stayed in bounds okay and uh, i would hope it would make it past the 10 yard line I, i'm not trying to call anybody out but that's just that's the way it was and so when you got a guy that's going to kick it to the end zone every single time and you might see him out there uh punting as well this yep. year he is going to have a role at that position so uh, for me, on the field, off the field, and by the way, he's a headhunter after he kicks the ball. Just watch him. Watch number 18 run down there. Uh, he was an all-state safety in the state of Alabama. So he does all the things that you would look for in a number 18, and I'm so happy for him. The first specialist that got it. I tell you what, the first time an offensive lineman got it, uh, LSU won a national championship. So I'm saying, you know, maybe you just try to find a first and see if you can uh, catch magic twice. He's also probably supplanted you as the best soccer player in the, the 18 group. He was an all-state soccer player. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's factual. I would put my all-district honors, uh, 5A, by the way, 5A soccer in the state of Louisiana against Avery. I'm uh, in the net because I played goalie. I guess he probably played probably midfield. He doesn't he look a like a striker. I think he was probably a midfield. So I'll definitely, hey, great content, great content. I'll, I'll put the gloves on one more time. I'm wondering if, like, as part of the interview process, like, he, like, showed some love for Everton just to, like, try to 
push him ahead of the pack. He, he, he probably did his research. He's a smart guy. He's probably like, man, I'm a huge Evertonian, big yeah, player. If, like, yeah, if you he, really, uh, really got to be. Yeah, he, you know, if he said up the toffees or come on you blues or anything like that, that's definitely uh, two check marks, not just one. If he would have said anything about Liverpool, he would have definitely been someone that was not a candidate for number 18. <laughs> so he did all the right things. He knew what to say and what not to say. I better stop the, the soccer talk because we're going to start talking about Arsenal and we're pointless through through uh, through three. And my mental health has Gordy Rush points to the, the table, toward the bottom of the table. We're talking Arsenal, Arsenal rivals? Somewhat, I would okay. say. Right. Uh, look, like I said, I don't want to talk soccer. I set myself up for that one. My mental health has already been enough of an issue without power for a week with uh, a five-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, so let's let's pivot away from the soccer talk. Let's, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk UCLA before we get to your questions. Run up the score. All right, uh, we're back to talk UCLA, and uh, Mr. Hester was kind enough to hand me this year's Athlon because I, I, and, and it turned, it's it's been used so much that it turns right to page two ten <laughs> where the UCLA Bruins reside. And look, I promise to be more prepared on the podcast this year. Um, not not this week. This week was not a week yeah. for preparation. This was a week for survival for me. Uh, I have survived, but I know you know your stuff with UCLA. Uh, I watched very, very, very little um, bit of that game last week and basically saw UCLA running the ball really effectively, but also running through four or five arm tackles that I'm really hoping we don't see from LSU tomorrow. So what did you learn about UCLA in week one? All right, so not only have I watched the Hawaii game about four times, just really doing some research before uh, week zero even took place, you knew that their strength was their offensive line. They returned every starter to a really good offensive line. Like we always talk about it, like, you know, just because you have experience, that doesn't mean it's good experience. Well, theirs is good experience. They've got some really athletic offensive linemen, not the biggest group, but they are athletes up front. And, in in fact, they're gaining another one here that didn't play in the Hawaii game. I believe it was their center didn't play in the Hawaii game. He's going to be available for this LSU contest. And so that is the strength of their team. They want to run the football. That's what Chip Kelly is. It's funny. You talk spread offense, and everyone just assumes, oh, when Chip Kelly was at Oregon, they must have been slinging the rock around. No, they wanted to run the football. They were as fast-paced, NASCAR pace, and they wanted to run the ball, and it wasn't very difficult. All right? There wasn't a lot of schemes. They just were really good at what they did, and they went at a pace that nobody else did, and you saw some of that. A lot of inside-outside zone, a lot of backside cuts because the offensive line did a really nice job of just caving down the backside, allowing Britton Brown and uh, Charbonnet their really easy runs. Now, And then they did their part, like you mentioned, Cody. They broke five, six tackles. I think uh, Charbonnet had – six carries for 106 and three tugs if I'm not mistaken against Hawaii but hey don't forget about Britton Brown he is a quality Sunday running back he will play on Sunday so that's the strength of their team uh the quarterback DTR is inconsistent uh not very accurate with the football he can make the exciting plays uh but he's not a guy that is going to go 25 of 27 and be highly efficient that way he makes his plays moving around with his legs when a play breaks down he can definitely thrive in that situation so um Running back and offensive line, definitely a strength. Uh, really good tight end. Stud tight end as well. He's their best receiving threat because they don't really do a lot of receiver that makes you nervous. Greg Dolchich is uh, yep. is, is or Dolt, Young player too. Yeah, sophomore uh, is their tight end. They bring back 19 starters uh, on, uh, on nine on offense and 10 on defense. So 
We talked about LSU's experience being important, but UCLA obviously brings a lot of experience to the table. Um, take me back to your playing days. Would you rather be the team that got to watch the team in week one and see what they do and, and be the team of surprise, or would you rather be the team that got to play in week one, work out the kinks, right. maybe show a little bit of this, but keep a little bit in your back pocket? So I think if I had a situation where there was a new head coach, new coordinators, I'd love to get some tape on, on that team, and, and maybe I'd take a different stance on this. But UCLA returns the same coordinators, the same head coach, and so you really didn't learn anything that you didn't already know. I think I would rather be the team that knocked the rust off, have that preseason game like you do in the NFL. So this time when you come out, right, you don't have some of those mental mistakes, you don't have substitution errors, you don't have any of that because you've already gone through a game week. So I could sit here, I could try to pump as much uh, sunshine as you want me to, but I think UCLA definitely got an advantage playing a game against an opponent that they could kind of control whatever narrative they wanted to control. Yeah, it's it's interesting looking at some of these numbers. Um, very good team offensively last year, second in the Pac-12 in scoring, yep. rushing, total offense. Um, defensively, not very good, but they were one of the most improved defenses in the country. They were uh, 1.2 seven yards per play better yeah. than the year before so they went from horrible to to um not very good and so i guess you would say if they continue to improve yeah. that way did you see anything from them defensively against hawaii i mean how much right. can you tell from a hawaii team that's not you know going to be the, of the caliber of lsu talent wise did you see anything from ucla defensively that if you're max johnson and keishan butte and John Emery and LSU's offensive line you're looking at and saying, okay, we got to keep an eye on this. So it was weird. They were uber aggressive as far as blitzing when Hawaii had like a 12 personnel situation. Maybe they had two tight ends or if Hawaii was anything other than 11 or 10 personnel. But when they went 11 or 10 with four receivers, they started to back off a little bit and play coverage and, and not bring so many guys. And so LSU is going to live in that personnel, right? LSU is only going to have 11 or 10 personnel. Even if they don't have that, they'd have 20 yep. personnel. So they're not going to bring a bunch of tight ends. There's not a fullback, I don't think, on the roster. If there is, I apologize. It brings a, a tear to my eye, but that's just not <laughs> the case anymore. So are they going to have the same philosophy, right? Are they going to worry more about playing coverage and playing man and not bringing the blitzes like they did against Hawaii? Because anytime Hawaii went to any formation that was not like a doubles 11 formation, they would bring a blitz, yeah. right? So that was kind of their tail. Anytime that they were lining up in certain formations, they were automatically bringing guys. I don't think they'll do that against LSU. They got to switch it up more because if you just sit back and you're going to play like that when LSU's in their base formation, which is two by two and 11, then LSU's going to pick you apart. Max is going to do what he did against Ole Miss against UCLA so uh, it's hard to pick up a tail that was their tail in that game but I can't imagine them being one that aggressive where they have an automatic blitz check on a certain formation and then yep. two not blitzing 11 personnel and, and doubles or trips whatever formation that LSU lines up in let's talk matchups what are the matchups on both sides of the ball that you think LSU maybe it favors the Tigers with particular matchups? Are there any that concern well, you? On, it's going to be strength on strength as far as offensive line for UCLA versus LSU's defensive line. Yeah. I mean, I think we could ask everybody on this bus here, and they would say LSU's defensive line is probably the strength of the team just because of the players you have and the depth that you have at those positions. Even being without a guy like Glenn Logan, who is a super senior, you still have so many guys at that defensive tackle position that are going to be able to, to play within the SEC. So for me, that's the most intriguing matchup. 
up, all right, you're an athletic offensive line. You're going against a very athletic, long defensive line. You know, who wins that matchup? And are the guys inside? Mason Smith making his LSU debut. We've talked so much about him. We talked about him before he even got to LSU. Uh, and then Neil Farrell, you know, being a savvy vet. Jaquelin Roy being somebody that we probably haven't talked enough about. And I'm not talking about just here on this podcast. I'm talking about any station, any podcast that's covering LSU. Roy is someone You're on like that, half of them, so you would know. Yeah. It's kind of your fault. That's uh, that's fair. I'll, <laughs> let me raise my hand the highest, and you're exactly right. But, look, he dominated at the end of last year. Last three yeah. games, he was unblockable at times. And yeah. we haven't talked about him because, you know, Mason Smith comes in, and you talk about the new guy, and then yeah. you've got super seniors in Glenn Logan and Neil Farrell. You start talking about them, and then Coach O loves Joseph Evans, right, talks about him. And so it's like, wait a minute, this guy was a, like a big-time recruit as well. He dominated the last three games. So that's someone we haven't even talked about that could have a big impact here in this uh, week one matchup. So I'm intrigued to see who wins that one out because it truly is the, the strength of both teams going against each other. Yeah, I mean, based on you know listening to you, listening to different radio programming throughout the week, and, and in the little that I watch, it seemed like UCLA really offensively, if you can take away the run or limit the run and try to make them beat you through the air, that's probably the best course of action so then you look at LSU's personnel and you talked about the defensive line being a strength but I look at Derek Stingley and Eli Riggs who are both healthy they're practicing this week put them on the outside okay feel good yeah. there put one safety up, up top feel okay there and so then it's everything inside of that right it's it's you know the tight ends that you talked about with UCLA it's uh, the ability to, to match up in the slot with Cordell Flott at the, at the nickel um, to me that's where my eyes are going to kind of go and yeah. see if, if that's a matchup that LSU can handle and I know that Durante Jones has talked a lot about bringing you know more zone and more communication to the table um, but it almost feels like a game where you just put your corners on the edge and say hey go go take away your your two guys and then you figure out the rest inside and that was something that LSU wasn't very good at last year but right. I think they can do this year seen a little bit in the scrimmages where they've kind of um, even though Stingley and Ricks weren't out there that they did just kind of say hey go go do your job on the outside we'll take care of the inside and seemed a little more communicative there and a little more structured there yeah when you have corners like that and everybody's talking about potential you know first round picks Stingley's certainly going to be a first round pick if he stays healthy Ricks is projecting to be that obviously still has a couple more years at LSU but when you have that situation Cody you have to be able as a defensive coordinator say hey it's on you you got your guy worry about your yep. guy we're going to put an extra guy in the box because they're a really good rushing football team so that's what we're going to do now we're counting on you we expect you to be able to handle it. Like, we don't want to even notice that you're out there on the field because you're a lockdown corner. That's what we have to have you do in matchups like this because it's not always about when you're facing air raids and you're worried about covering receivers. No, it's a team like this in UCLA that wants to run the football. That allows me to maybe move Jay Ward a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage or however you want to play that defensively, knowing that you've got your matchup, you've got your matchup taken care of, right? And so that's got to be the challenge. I absolutely would start the game with some – you know some resemblance of having Stingley and Ricks lock their guys down and being able to try to stop the run. Uh, another interesting thing that I'm going to be paying attention to is what they do with the nickel position at LSU because when your best receiving throw on the other team is a tight end, you know, is, is Cordell Flott, if he's able to go, is that a position that he plays? Or do you say, you know what, Mike Jones, I know you've Who? been working – Thank you. I was like, we're not, we're not going to not do that. Yeah. Um, but you've been working towards being a Mike linebacker, and I know all of that. But man, you have thrived in a, on a college football playoff team as a nickel Sam. Their best weapon is going to be a tight end in the slot. Well, you know what? You match up 
body type wise better with him you know how much of that do they do so there's a lot of things that they could do and all of that is going to be available to you if you lock up Rick you lock up Stingley and you kind of take that portion of it away uh, from the offense it goes back to identity which we talked about earlier and this team you obviously want to find your core identity but I feel like this team has a lot of versatility and so that balance of this is who we are versus what this is what we can do to me is going to be super interesting to watch in this first game okay great UCLA preview let's take one last break and we'll get some questions All right, we're back, and we're uh, taking your questions to wrap up the final segment here on Hayfide Podcasts. We're getting relatively close to the hotel. Um, the LA traffic is legit; it is uh, it lives up to everything that that I've uh, that I've read about it. So, um, <laughs> but we have plenty of time to get to these questions. First question from Alex Clark on Twitter at Baba Lugats: Where can I get gas? <laughs> that is a solid question. You have to uh, stay ready at all times and when you hear that a gas station does in fact have gas you've got to get in the car that hopefully has enough to get there because i can tell you i um i drive down nicholson to get to guarantee media about 5 20 every morning and every morning this week at 5 20 the lines have already started it's it's been brutal i, I was able to get some uh, by the the shell right there on trader jo- uh, but by trader joe's on perkins um, but it, it was a 45-minute wait. But I'll say this. I, I tweeted this. I was very impressed with how, like, organized and um, no one tried to skip. Like, people were being, like, legitimately good people. It's always – I don't know why that always surprises me. Maybe, maybe I'm a pessimist by heart. But, okay, let's get to the football questions. Um, this one's from SEC StatCat, one of my favorite – Twitter follows. Yeah, you turned me on him. Great follow. Yeah, great, great uh, statistical follow for those who don't know anything about football but want to pretend to know. You just quote SEC StatCat. Don't attribute it. Just claim it for your own. Everyone <laughs> think you're really smart. Uh, he asks, how concerned are you regarding the new diversity of UCLA's ground game against a defense that allowed over three rush yards before contact last year? God, that's that number pops to me, three yards before contact. Looks like UCLA has an iffy passer, but if the line of scrimmage is lost, that might not matter. I don't have the stats in front of me, obviously. We're, in, we're on a bus right now, but I do remember how bad it was for LSU both ways. Yards before contact when running the ball and yards before mm-hmm. contact when stopping the ball, and that was such a huge issue. So how concerned are you about that tomorrow? I know you, you feel LSU's defensive line is a strength. That should yeah. be improved, but obviously those numbers have to get better. It can't be what it was a year ago on both sides of the ball. We always go back to this game because it just it stays – just on my mind at all times. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and sweats thinking about this game, and that's from the Missouri game mm-hmm. when their running backs almost averaged five yards before contact. Think about that. Any decent running back that gets a five-yard head start, even if he falls flat on his face, he's going to pick up seven yards. Yeah. Right? And so that that absolutely, those numbers can't happen again. And then the same thing on the other side. Like, you got to get more push, and, and scheme has a lot to do with that as far as what you can do, um, you know, running more than just inside-outside zone run some power and some counter all that but more on the defensive line side of things you have got to push that interior back into the backfield like you cannot allow it to push you you have to be dominant in that position because 
if you give any decent running back a head start like that, they're not only going to pick up six, seven, eight yards that you're giving them already. They're going to pick up 17, 21, 28, and it's going to happen with ease. And so that's what UCLA wants to do. That's going to be the challenge. That's what I'm saying. It's best on best. It's strength on strength. And we're going to see if LSU got that fixed here pretty early in the game. Speaking of running backs, a lot of questions about LSU's running backs. Andrew Martin asked, could we see running back by committee rather than a true number one back? Uh, let me scroll through. Zach Lee at Just Zach asked, how do y'all think Kevin Falk will split up the reps between TDP and John Emery in the first game? Who gets the first touch? Um, I could keep going through. There's, there's a lot of um, running back questions. And I, I know you mentioned earlier challenging those guys and wanting yeah. one of them to step up. The challenge has been issued from yeah. from you, from from Kevin Falk, from Coach O. Um, he certainly not minced his words this week when talking about those running backs. They need to step up. What's what's your assessment of that position heading into this game? Well, uh, I mean, obviously you've had some guys miss some time in training camp, and so it's first off, who's available? What bodies do I have? And you know, we haven't heard that anybody's not going to play, but we have to wait to see what that game time decision looks like because we know that they've had injuries. But again, man, I, I've said it for a couple of weeks. Please don't sleep on Josh Williams. Like, forget the fact that he was a walk-on when he first got here. The guy earned a scholarship in his second year here. That just doesn't happen unless you are a really good player. The scrimmage I went to scrimmage number two he had multiple plays where he went to the end zone almost untouched uh, he had another 17 yard run uh, where he gets on the second level makes a guy miss and picks up five extra yards he is going to play in this game I can tell you that from Kevin Falk's mouth to my ears he loves Josh Williams like yeah. he has got a role on this team so don't count him out he will play I don't know what the percentage is but it will be a good uh, you know a good portion of that rotation. It's not going to be like three plays, and that's when you're charting plays, and you're like, okay, he, he got in. No, he's going to yep. be a part of that rotation. Uh, Corey Kiner's going to get some run. So it's not going to be one guy. It's not going to be three. It's not going to be four. It's going to be a combination of three, four, 21, uh, you know, hopefully 22, uh, 27. So it's going to be a bunch of guys out there. That's just the way it's going to be. And LSU fans, that's okay. Like, very rarely do you have a year when you have a guy like Clyde who plays 90% of the time. When LSU has won national champions and played in national championships, every other time it's been a running back by committee. Now, you've yeah. had, you know, one guy get a bulk of the carries, but you've had a lot of guys. We broke it down uh, a couple of episodes ago, man. We had so many guys on that 07 team. It was like, you know, 1,100. Then it was like 500, 400. 380, 370. I mean, that's just the way that it went. And so that's okay. You just want to see whoever is in there within that moment do his job and be, and, uh, be productive. Speaking of uh, guys being in that role, we had one question from at Cordell Music on Instagram, um, and it's about two freshmen. It said, how do you think Kiner's role and Brian Thomas's role will play out with Goodwin and Neighbors out? Um, and I'll expand on that question just a little bit, but any other freshmen that you're keeping an eye on to, to have a breakout in their first game? Well, I know uh, that Brian Thomas is someone that we talked about pretty early in camp, and he never went away, yeah. right? It's just we continue to talk about him, and then Malik Neighbors did at the end of camp, kind of start to share some of those headlines, but Brian Thomas is as advertised. His junior highlight tape, I might have said this a couple of weeks ago, might have been the best in the country. Yeah. It might have truly been the best, and they had a coaching change his senior year, and a couple of things, obviously last year was just a, a weird year all around but 
uh, you know, he did some nice things there, but he has burst on the scene, and you see some of that junior highlight tape here early in his career. So he's going to have a role. Kiner's going to get some carries. Kiner is a guy that, yeah, he's a bigger back. He can run you over, but we've seen the videos, right? We've seen him hurdling people out there. Uh, I'm excited to see him maybe more than almost any freshman just because I think once the lights come on, once it's truly full contact to the ground every play, that's going to behoove him better than, you know, out there in a jersey and shorts. That's just not the type of, of running back that he is. So, there's, uh, I mean, there's a handful of guys. This is one of the more exciting freshman classes. I mean, we've mentioned Mason Smith on the defensive side. I was about to say it. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say it. I thought I was going to get my, my unique insight there into Mason Smith No, with I mean, my, I with mean, my football dom- expertise the, comment that he's good at football. No, he, he dominated uh, the second scrimmage. I mean, he had three sacks from the interior. If you can get – if you can get that type of pressure from the interior, get the quarterback off of his spot, again, I, you know, I keep going back to the 07 team because that's what I know best. Uh, Glenn Dorsey got Heisman votes yeah. from the interior defensive line. And that's a reason why we were able to win games because, yes, if you get it from the edge, it's great, but the quarterback, good ones, will step up and they'll make the throw. If you're getting it from the interior, they got nowhere to go. Yeah. And if they do try to get away from it, guess what? They're running into Andre Anthony and Ollie Gay, right? So he's going to be a key force in this defense. And also another one because I love this freshman class what's Jack Besher's role we know he's playing some tight end we know like he's got his own like 11 Besh personnel Mm -hmm. where he's the tight end uh, with the first group we saw him have a long touchdown in the second scrimmage you know what are they going to ask him to do at that tight end position how much blocking is he going to do how do you not fall into tendencies all those type of things so man I I could sit here and I could talk about just the freshman class alone because so many are going to play yeah, it's going to be exciting to see them out there. I, I just get the, the the more we talk about it, the more I feel like this is going to be a line of scrimmage game, and yeah. it's going to be huge for LSU on both sides. And that's to me, that's the, the floor and ceiling of this team is how good the offensive line is and how good that defensive line is and what kind of impact they can make. Because I, I just have faith in the skill guys. Like, yeah. it's it's pick your poison, and it's who emerges from the crop. And like I said last week, I think Brian Thomas Jr. is the most impressive freshman receiver I've seen just physically to come through LSU. But, you know, if it's not him, it's neighbors. If it's not neighbors, it's Besh. If it's not Besh, it's it's Deion Smith. There, there, there's guys there that are going to make plays when given the opportunity. For me, it's um, it, it's all about the line of scrimmage, and that's yeah. not usually where my eyes go to when I watch football, but I think it's huge um, for this. And speaking of, Blake to Armand, and we can wrap up with this question, said, who are the sixth, seventh, and eighth options behind the starting five on the O-line that will be in the rotation for the UCLA game? And to me, that's – a position that I that I tend to overlook a lot. Oh, you know who your five starting O linemen are. They're going to be your guys. But as we've talked about before, that's a huge piece for every team every year. Somebody yeah. goes down, you need somebody to step in. Who are the guys that can step in behind those first five? Well, when you look at you know, let's say the guard positions. I'll start with the interior. I think uh, Anthony Bradford would go in at, at either guard position. Obviously, that's someone that Coach O is considered a starter at times. Uh, even going way back to to last year before the season, right? He mentioned him as, as a as a starter. Uh, I think Marlon Martinez has got a role in this team. Not a guy that we talk about a ton, but every time you go out there, he's in the rotation. Uh, Charles Turner's kind of that guy that's going to be your, your first center. And I know he missed a bunch of time in training camp, but I still think he's got that position on lock. And now you're looking for tackles, okay? Which tackle is going to be the guy? Like, if Dellinger gets back, that's great, but he missed a lot of time in training mm-hmm. camp. Um, uh, Doomerville, 
that's a guy you'd like to see step up. Highly touted guy. We know his bloodline. And trust me, I had to block his uncle in games and in practices. <laughs> it wasn't very fun. I mean, that was a physical specimen. Uh, so you know he's got it in him. But can he rise, right? Can he be that guy that we saw coming out of the state of Florida? So he's going to be challenged a lot, too. Um, uh, Hill's a guy that we don't talk a lot about, but that's a guy that I've seen r- run with the ones at times. Yep. So they've got some bodies and they've got a lot of moving pieces, and that might not make you feel great about the situation, but they've got a lot of guys that have cross-trained. They've trained at multiple positions to be able to handle something if someone did go down. But outside of Anthony Bradford, knowing that he would probably be the first interior guy, I think a lot of it is still left up in the air. We will see on Saturday. We don't, I don't know how deep, Hopefully we don't see. I was about to say. I don't know how yeah. people get into the offensive line rotation. Maybe they'll just play five. But we will see. Oh, uh, actually, actually, let's check that. I hope we're up by so many points ah, that the bomb squad's in there. Correction. And we got uh, Nuss in there just, uh, just slinging flexing. it, right? Yeah. Just doing a couple of different things because the other guys have their helmets off on the sidelines. Think Stingley gets any offensive snaps? Uh, no. No, 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 no. Too no, banged no. up. Just, yeah, too banged up in camp. Keep it simple. Uh, yeah, just go the, play cornerback. Yeah, the, the situation in camp and not being got, able to go. I, I don't want to see him returning punts. I just want to see him lock the other player's best receiver down. I got carried away. You started talking about Nuss being in there at the end of the game, and I was just thinking of all the L.A. <laughs> fireworks and and uh, the, the Hollywood headlines that, that LSU would go for. But, hey, we'll take a win. Um, we'll take a good start to the season uh, for a team that's gone through a lot in the last week. But football's here. I feel like it's closer after having had this conversation. Hey, sitting here in, in L.A. traffic, or we're putting along. We're almost to downtown there we go. Los Half Angeles. Mile. And so maybe once we actually get downtown, we'll feel like it's football season. Well, I'm going to stop talking in this microphone. And I'm going to look around and enjoy the scenery a little bit and figure out uh, what the move is tonight as we uh, we get one day closer to the start of the season. And for everyone back home, I know it's Really excited to have something to look forward to and, and some sense of normalcy to uh, look forward to. For, it reminds me almost of the pandemic. You remember the pandemic, like when there was no sports, and every Sunday there'd be the, the Bulls documentary, the Jordan documentary. And it's yeah. like, oh, man, I can't wait to that. This is like that, but like 10 times better yeah. because it's LSU football, and it's right here. And uh, we're just a little bit away. And, uh, and even if it hasn't felt like it all week, it certainly feels like it now. So appreciate your time. We'll, I'll see you after the game. Um, we'll figure out. If that one's on a bus or a plane or... Now, let me just tell you something. If, uh, if LSU pulls out this victory like we think they're going to, there's no telling what we're doing the post-game podcast. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way possible. Well, you did see the, the time the plane lands on the itinerary, right? 4, uh, 4.30 a.m. local time. Central time on Sunday. And I know after being gone for a couple of days, my wife's going to want me home stat to either fill up a generator or just take the kids off. I was actually thinking 4.30 might be the best time to try to get some gas. That's, I have planned. There is a, well, let's just say I have plans. There's a gas can in the back of my truck, and I'm going to (laughs) go try to find some gas somewhere. So I will answer that question that um, whoever, I can't remember who asked us that question. It was a good question about where to find gas. I will answer that question um, maybe next week as we do a normally scheduled midweek podcast next uh, recorded next Tuesday out next Wednesday. But before then, we'll see you after the game. Hopefully LSU wins by a million, and we have a great, uh, great, enjoyable first game to watch. So, Mr. Hester, appreciate your time as always. And to everyone listening, thank you. See you next time on Hey Five Podcast.
victory. 